Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is off on a much-deserved vacation. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop podcast, host of the Martini Shot, uh, one of the most accomplished Manhattan pub crawlers we know. Rob, it is great to have you back. (laughs) What is this deserved vacation for Garrity? He's always on vacation, seems to me. (laughs) Well, it's usually when you and I talk, certainly. So I guess. I guess that's a, was that, that's confirmation bias. Is that what that is? I don't really know. I guess so. Every time I mention it, that's that's what yeah. we're talking. So that's probably part of it. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a crazy news cycle as always. So uh, hopefully he's uh, tanned, rested, and ready he had to go exactly. next week. But uh, always glad to have you here, Rob, and uh, and try to uh, figure out the, the facts and uh, also have a little fun with some of the big stories of the day. So let's jump right into our good martini. And one of the things that we've chronicled, and I think you and I have even talked about it on a previous uh, time that you were in for Jim, uh, is the radical shift in the polls for Latino voters in this country and right. the generic Latino ballot. And we always throw in the caveat that we don't have generic people on the ballot unless you count Tim Pawlenty, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> you actually have real candidates, which is the case in the 34th Congressional District of Texas, which is a district that's not going to exist in its current format uh, as of the next congressional election at the very end of this year. But there was a vacancy there, so they had to fill the seat. This is a district, Rob, that is... Um, near the Mexican border. It had gone to the Democrats for the last century. In 2016, Hillary Clinton carried the district by 33 points. Joe Biden won it by 13 points less than two years ago. Myra Flores, a Republican, ran and flipped this district. And she uh, was in a four-candidate race and did not even require the runoff. She won by eight points, getting 51% of the vote. Uh, some folks on the left are, are trying to determine whether or not this is a one-off. Uh, but if you look at the national numbers on the border, if you look at uh, the cultural concerns that Latinos have with where the Democrats are going, uh, it looks like this is a very real trend. And if that's the case, uh, the Democrats are in huge trouble. And if the Republicans are smart, which is a huge if, uh, this could be very good for them this year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun. Um, I would say the Republicans really enjoy this. Enjoy this time. Enjoy this moment. Savor it. Write in your journal write a gratitude paragraph or whatever you're supposed to do, because this is the kind of thing that we'll look back on in four years and say, well, how do they, how do the Republicans blow this? Um, I mean, it's, it, the, the story here starts, I mean, it doesn't start, but you know, a very smart guy. Uh, I think he's at the American center for the American progress. One of those think tanks, I get confused with every other think tank is Roy Texera. And about 20 years ago, maybe exactly 20 years ago, he wrote a book called The Emerging Democratic Majority, which is with uh, John Judas, which is really about how Democrats uh, are going to be demographically destined to become the majority party um, in the early 20th, 21st century, i.e. I- now, um, and mostly because of their appeal to the incredibly fast-growing group 
of um, Hispanic Americans, Latinos, Latinos, Latinos. That turns out to be totally wrong, as we see in Texas, and we're going to see in other districts in Texas in the next you know couple of years. Uh, and and why is it wrong? And so somebody asked him because he's a smart guy, and so he said, "Well, why were you wrong?" And he said his response was this: basically, I'm paraphrasing. Well, I didn't expect the Democrats to go insane, right? <laughs> I thought they'd be normal, really. And I, I extra- he extrapolated from 2002 that the Democrats would remain in, sort of within the, frankly, very broad spectrum of what constitutes political normality. And they have not done that. His argument is they should do that, that they, that they should be appealing to Latinos who live on the border. Um, but the fact that they're not, and the fact that it's the Republicans, the the border security party that's appealing to the people on the border, um, is, is baffling to uh, new establishment Democrats, but not baffling to old Democrats. They're like, well, no, you know, people who live on the border want border security. It doesn't really matter what their ethnicity is. Since the Democrats see everything in terms of ethnicity, that's the most important thing is your ethnic and racial identity. That's it. That's all that defines you, and it defines you to such an extent that no other details about you or concerns that you might have will ever trump that. As and I mean by that, I mean actually trump that. By, <laughs> as long as they have that attitude, they're going to continue to lose. Um, and I believe that Republicans will find another wonderful, uh, very Republican-specific way to blow this, too. There are real reasons for this that are uh, have, to, have to do with the pro- insane progressive left that's taken over the Democratic Party and taken over the media, too, so that even if, the, even if, you're, tr- if you're a Democrat, you're trying to be moderate, you're going to be undermined by the media. If you're a, a Latino family on the border, that is not as interesting – to you and should not be as compelling to your political um, people appealing for your political vote as the fact that you're spending a whole lot of money for a gallon of gas. Right. And the fact that your uh, your food dollar is now um, two dollars for that food dollar. I mean, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what language you speak in the House. If you are living in 2022 United States of America, you have the concerns of a 2022 United States American. And <laughs> that isn't going to be um, which bathroom uh, you're kids are going to use or be told to use it's going to be how why is why is food so expensive why is gas so expensive yeah that's the number one issue that's the number one issue that uh, is driving everything it doesn't matter where you live what your race is or anything else uh you are being crippled by this at least the vast majority of the the country is severely affected by this and with no solutions anywhere soon on the horizon uh it's it it's the party in power that's going to pay the price. And, exactly. Uh, and uh, a lot of us would say deservedly. So uh, this is, I think, a far more interesting story coming out of a primary night, uh, Rob, than what seems to be most of the mainstream media's uh, fascination is, ooh, Trump made an endorsement in this race, and they won. That means the whole yeah. party's uh, beholden to Trump. Oh, but over in this race, ha, ha, the Trump person didn't win, so now the party's rejecting him. It's this whole obsession that uh, David Harsani over at uh, National Review tweeted out this morning. The media miss him so much. <laughs> oh, my God. Do they ever? They just want him back. Um, they, they, they miss him so much. And I think even in terms of sheer profit, I mean, I think it's actually, you know, part of the cutbacks at, at the news um, you know, channels is going to be that, you know, there's no more star. You don't have your star anymore. Um, and also, like, the, the, where, where, where Trump did well, I mean, where, where his, his, um, his endorsements were um, uh, parallel to the winner. Um, I wouldn't say they created the winner, but the parallel to the winner. Um, the, they were in, in congressional races that they weren't necessarily outliers that he won. To me, the most indicative race we already heard, which was Georgia, where um, Trump's despised 
gubernatorial candidate won Kemp. His chosen challenger, Purdue, lost. And the Secretary of State for Georgia, who is was a personal enemy, has been his enemy for years since you know the, e- the late evening of election night, um, won handily. That when Georgia Republicans are rejecting Donald Trump, that's a sign for Donald Trump, and um, it's not a good one. Well, it just—I think it, they actually care about the individual candidates. I don't think endorsements yeah. matter that much anymore. You saw it when. You know, Obama was ridiculously popular among Democrats. You know, he he did well, but he went out there and campaigned for Democrats in deep blue states when the trend was against them. It didn't matter. Uh, John Corzine went down and uh, Martha Coakley, who was, you know, a uniquely horrible politician, but she still (laughs) found ways to lose. And uh, so it just doesn't matter who endorses you anymore. I think the last endorsement that really made a difference was Rudy Giuliani post 9-11 endorsing Michael Bloomberg. And so after that, uh, it's all been uh, people actually evaluating the candidates, which is exactly the way it should be. Exactly. So, uh, meanwhile, we want to tell you the three martini lunch is brought to you today by NetChoice. Uh, they want to let you know from inflation to national security to lackluster leadership, Americans have many concerns about the direction of our country. But instead of taking responsibility for their own policies, progressives are blaming businesses for the rising prices, and they want to use heavy-handed regulations like radical antitrust reform to achieve their goals. Progressives want to put big government in charge of our internet, attacking our own while our global competitors like Europe and China close the gap. NetChoice says conservatives must stop progressives from causing more inflation with more red tape and bigger government. So uh, join NetChoice in telling our representatives to oppose a radical antitrust agenda at netchoice.org slash 2992. This message was brought to you by NetChoice. All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4patriots.com slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, and of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity, and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rob, since you and I have been together, uh, there's been a lot of news, obviously, on a lot of different subjects. But uh, some of the most disturbing, of course, has been the mass shootings. The two getting the most attention was the Mm -hmm. uh, predominantly black grocery store in Buffalo, New York, uh, with 10 dead there. And then Uvalde, Texas, of course, with the 19 fourth graders. 
and two teachers horrifically killed by a deranged gunman there. And so there's been a huge debate about um, legislation. It looks like the Senate's coming together on some sort of framework. We haven't seen details yet, so that's why we haven't really commented on it. I'm sure once that comes together, we'll have plenty to say. Uh, But as this debate has played out, you've once again had insane people making comments. uh, And oftentimes, those insane comments happen on The View. And so it was just a few (laughs) days ago where Joy Behar said this about uh, the debate over the Second Amendment. Here's the thing. Once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me. Yeah. Once again, Joy Behar has no idea what she's talking about, which I know is breaking news. Deeply breaking news. Uh, But NBC News uh, has been looking at this, and there has been a massive, massive increase in black Americans purchasing firearms. According to the NBC story in 2020, uh, sales of guns to black Americans rose 58%. That, of course, was the year of the whole George Floyd uh, situation in Minneapolis. Uh, In the first quarter of 2021, the National Shooting Sports Foundation revealed 90% of gun retailers reported a general increase of black customers, including an 87% increase among black women. And some say they don't want their uh, church to get shot up and them to have no way to defend themselves. Some have responded to the situation in Buffalo. Uh, and it's not detailed a lot in this uh, story in, in uh, for NBC, Rob, but, you know, violent crime is very much on the rise in a lot of major cities, and, and black Americans make up a significant portion in a lot of those cities. And so uh, this whole idea uh, that somehow, uh, you know, conservatives are going to change their tune on gun laws uh, because black people start buying uh, the guns is ridiculous, but it's just great that they're doing this because they're going to need it. Americans should be able to defend themselves. It's, it's terrible that these horrific circumstances circumstances are are what uh, led to this, but it's good to see people taking advantage of their Second Amendment rights, and hopefully it'll lead to safer communities when people realize that a lot of their neighbors are able to defend themselves in a lethal way. Yeah, I mean, it's such a weird thing. It's like you... uh, Like I can see Joy Behar putting on her little Sherlock Holmes hat and her big magnifying glass trying to figure it out. Like, what a mystery. What's the mystery between... For for why black uh, Americans are buying guns? I wonder... Could it be this enormous acceleration in the violent crime rate in their neighborhoods, by the way? Not in Joy Behar's neighborhood, but in their neighborhood. So that's why they're doing it. Is it is it was it was it their reaction to the the George, not just the protest, not Black Lives Matter, but the but the mayhem and civil unrest and looting that happened afterwards in their neighborhoods Mm -hmm. could be. I mean, if you assume that you're um, you're talking about people who are rational and want to defend their property and their family, um, which I think is a l- l- <laughs> the most basic assumption you can make. Um, you know, right up right up there with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think it's like number one or something. Um, and when you assume that, it all makes sense. It all clicks into place. You understand that. And if you assume that the people making the argument for gun rights are making them. In good faith, which is a hard thing for you to do if you're progressive, but just assume they are, then of course they'll be thrilled at the fact that there are Americans who are at the, who are disproportionately victims of crime, who have decided to uh, purchase a firearm. But I, the other part of it that's interesting is that uh, the only way you can come up with this number, I think it's the National National Shooting Foundation, something like that. Uh, the only way you come up with that number is if these people are purchasing these guns legally, right? Because they're going to a gun shop that presumably is following regulations and they're buying a gun. There are already guns, have already been guns in um, predominantly black neighborhoods. We know that because gun violence in those neighborhoods is higher than it is anywhere else. So these are people purchasing guns to 
protect themselves and their family. And for that, they should be uh, lauded. And for that, I think another shock to the white progressive hegemony in the media, that will be a shock to to no one but them. Everyone else is going to nod and the NRA will nod and the NRA will probably think, good Lord, this is this might get us out of Chapter 11. (laughs) Everyone will understand what's happening in real life the same way they understand what was happening at the border in Texas. Everyone will understand that except a core group of white progressives who refuse to see the truth in front of their face. Yes, but they're the they're the caring ones. They're the compassionate ones, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, not you. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that. The fact that they really don't know what's going on is amazing. Um, it was just last week that there was the recall of Chesa Budin. He got crushed in predominantly minority neighborhoods, uh, the white progressive neighborhoods. They they, yeah. they they voted to keep him. It wasn't enough, thankfully. But uh, yeah, they they just care so much they have no idea what's going on. And so you know, but you know who loves armed responsible citizens? The police. And you know who hates them? Criminals, because the more sure. people that have guns, the less likely they are uh, to take a chance to um, assault you or to take your stuff. The, the benefit, I mean, or not the benefit, but the, the comfort to the uh, evildoer is that he thinks he's the only one with the gun. Mm-hmm. And when he, when he knows he's not the only one with the gun in any encounter at night or in the house or at the car or whatever, the, the entire risk calculation changes. And that's all you're trying to do. They always say this. Every every study always says the same thing. You know, a, a cops that I know when, when I was living in Venice Beach, which had a crime wave for a period, all the cops said the same thing. It's like, here's what you can do. Turn on your lights. Let your have your alley lights stay on at night. Light and lighting and street lighting is all you, you're just trying to change the risk assessment and that you can do that with lighting. You can do that with locks. You can do that with a barking dog. You can do that with the sound of a shotgun. You can do that with increased gun ownership among the population. Um, that's how you change the risk assessment that um, bad guys make, and that will bring the crime rate down. And everyone knows that intuitively because it's true. The only people who seem baffled by this, by baffled by human behavior since the t- since since the beginning of time, are white progressives who have convinced themselves that e- every day it's a new day. People are different or they should be different. And there's absolutely nothing about human behavior that you can uh, count on. <laughs> Thankfully, they seem to be a minority at this point. But uh, yeah. we'll, well see. We'll see as, yeah. as time goes don't, on. Don't hold your breath. Yeah, they have a way of coming back. Yeah, if they can convince the middle to go back their way, uh, that's bad news. But uh, speaking of uh, responsible decisions, let's talk about the phenomenal deal you can get on the My Slippers over at MyPillow.com. They've got a blowout sale going on right now. And as I've told you before, while I love all the MyPillow products, I really do. I use them all. The slippers are my absolute favorite. And right now, you can save $90 on them. The regular price for the My Slippers, $139.98. But the blowout price, sale price, $49.98 with our promo code Martini. And you know these slippers, they have they spent two years developing their exclusive four-tier cushioning system. It's got a my pillow patented fill, just as smart and as comfortable as the my pillow. Comfortable memory foam to help prevent fatigue. Patented impact gel, indoor outdoor sole. You can wear in or out all day long. Made with quality leather suede, available in a variety of styles, colors, sizes. And this is my favorite part: machine washable. You can just put them in the washing machine and then the dryer. Six-day money-back guarantee, one-year limited warranty for a pair of slippers. That's amazing. 
Go to MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104 for the My Slippers at only $49.95. But while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the BOGO buy one, get one free extravaganza on bed sheets, MyPillows, and more. Visit MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104 today for the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. And get Mike's book free. MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. The chance for nuclear war increases every day that the war in Ukraine continues. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, national security expert Brandon Weikert and I also discuss how China is weaker than Russia in one key area, why Taiwan's defenses are dangerously weak, and how Joe Biden wants to make the same mistake with Iran that we did with China. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Rob, as conservatives, we generally uh, appreciate our wonderful law enforcement personnel. Uh, by and large, they are doing an honorable job. And um, uh, one of the groups that with the toughest job right now are the folks on the Border Patrol. And it was last September that we got these photos of Border Patrol uh, members on horseback trying to round up Haitian migrants uh, crossing the Rio Grande near Del Rio, Texas. And because horses have reins when you're riding them, uh, they were kind of flying in the air. And, of course, the lefties on Twitter who know nothing about horses um, said, oh, they're whipping these migrants. And so as a result of that, left-wing Twitter went nuts. Jen Psaki went nuts. Biden and Mayorkas went nuts and basically accused these border agents of whipping migrants and being racist, of course. Uh, the photographer who took the pictures said there was no whip. Nobody was being whipped. Those were reins. There were lots of different angles of pretty much the exact same moment uh, in photographs, and it was clear that no one was ever whipped. Uh, but apparently now, Rob, that doesn't matter. The Border Patrol agents are going to be punished anyway. This is the Washington Examiner. The Border Patrol is preparing to discipline agents whom the Biden administration accused of whipping Haitian migrants while on horseback in Del Rio, Texas, last September. U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the federal agency that investigated the incident, will accuse the horse patrol agents of, quote, administrative violations, according to two agency officials, which confirms an earlier report from Fox News. It is unlikely, though, that they will be fired. They launched this uh, frothing-at-the-mouth investigation, you know, nearly nine months ago. Uh, then it was pretty clear, finally, this spring, that this was all going to get swept under the rug. But apparently we just can't let it go, Rob, because, you know, we had a narrative we got to protect here instead of uh, worrying about the facts. Yeah, I mean, this is so weird to me. It felt like they, clearly, as you said, they administered a violation, so they're not going to get fired. So basically what they're saying is um, we are not really going to punish them for something they didn't do. Um, but we're going to look like we punish. We're going to look like we're punishing them for something that they looked like they were doing, and that is so dumb and and cowardly and also utterly unnecessary. I mean, what's what's the problem with saying, "Oh, yeah, it turns out they didn't do it"? 
Right. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any problem with telling the truth. It, it doesn't even seem like it'd be that politically uh, um, that that politically uh, damaging. I mean, even I mean, I'm even putting my head, my my PR political spin hat on and trying to weasel word my way into this. And I can't. There's no risk here for them to do nothing or to say, hey, look, the border border patrol agents were doing their job. The one thing we do know about the border patrol uh, right now in America is that the morale is at an all time low which means their performance is going to be at an all-time low, which is something that nobody wants. Even I think people who are in good faith take a, another position on border security than I do. And I feel like this this is like a kind of a war that's being waged against an administration, a Border Patrol administration doing a job that some people in the Biden administration just simply don't want done. And um, that's super troubling to me, but it's also, I think, should be – it's, and we know it's clearly troubling to the voters in the border counties in Texas. Um, it's politically suicidal for the Democrats to be supporting this. Um, and I think it's just in general, it's bad law enforcement policy to be disciplining agents for looking like they were doing something they weren't doing by people who were in bad faith looking at the photographs in the first place, right? And I could have said that better, but that's kind of what I mean. Like this, this feels like kowtowing to an invisible mob, not even to a real mob. And there's something sort of cowardly about it and not, not something it is entirely cowardly and really should be unacceptable. Um, and at some point, whoever is, whoever's in charge of overseeing that disciplinary administration within the border patrol um, should make a big stink about it because we need those guys and we need a border patrol. We do need a secure border. I don't, I mean, we can we can argue about how we're going to affect that, but we know we need one. Haiti's 800 miles from Florida, right? That's where those Haitian migrants came from. They came from Haiti, and they went to the Texas border. So, I mean, to me, they had to go about 800 miles to to Central America, and then go all the way up from Central America all the way up over land. Uh, they did that for a reason, um, and not good reasons. And if we don't have a border patrol on that border, that people trust and believe is doing their job on both sides of the border, we're in big, big trouble. Yeah, this is unconscionable. I mean, if you're Alejandro Mayorkas, who immediately demonized these guys without even looking at it for yeah. more than a second, you know, you're supposed to defend your guys until proven otherwise, right? Uh, Joe Biden, of course, is ultimately their boss. He did the exact same thing. Saki did the same thing. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, Rob, this was September. This, this came like two, three weeks right. after the debacle in Afghanistan, and they needed a narrative change. Oh, uh, we can accuse our own people of being racist when nothing of the sort happened. <laughs> it's despicable <laughs> yeah. narrative uh, topic shifting, uh, and they made it all up just to get to get out of a bad PR cycle. And it's an amazing – I think you're probably right. It is also an, am- an amazing way to change the subject is to, is to slap your face with the other hand. Uh, well, we blew it here in Afghanistan. But look, we're also blowing it here at the border. Uh, it's very strange. I'm continually surprised at the basic incompetence of the Biden administration. I really am. At the very least, I expected a, you know, maybe a cynical, probably a meretricious, but at some point, a basically competent administration doing things I didn't want them to do, but not this rudderless, this um, chaotic this amateur hour, this really is shocking to me. It's shocking to me that it's this bad, but it's also shocking to me that nobody's been turfed out. I mean, even in administrations that worked, 
by this point, there were some people who were on their way out who had could not were not up to the job. This suggests to me that um, despite all the sort of talk, cliche talk for years and years and years, that the presidency is really to sit behind the big desk and people bring you stuff and you check boxes and you don't really lead the office. This suggests to me that that is not true, that in fact, the modern presidency does require an, to be successful, uh, an engaged, um, competent, demanding chief executive behind that desk. And we do not have one. Um, and I think you're, we're, we're, what we're seeing here is is the result of that. I mean, at the very least, uh, a president at this point in Biden's administration would have shaken up his team and said, look, I, you're, I'm at 40 percent and dropping. Uh, you guys got to go. You're you're failing. At least that's that's what usually happens when a president's in trouble. Um, this one seems to be even more disengaged from political reality than his predecessor. Yeah, that's true. I. You came into this with more confidence in Joe Biden than I did as 36 years in the Senate and eight years as VP did not instill me with much co- <laughs> much, co- much confidence at all. But then, of course, he populated the vice presidency and his entire cabinet based on which demographics and interest groups he wanted to appease rather than who could actually do the job. So when you factor all of that together, yeah. it's kind of what we should have expected, I think. But, but usually when these guys are cornered, I mean, I guess what I would say is that when this guy, when it's he's failing, but he's been failing for six months when he's been failing or maybe longer. I'm talking about the polls, right? That you, 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 even the worst one gets his team together and says, you're all fired and brings in an enforcer, brings in somebody, brings in a Jim Baker, brings in a, a David Gergen, brings in an old hand to crack the whip as it were, like the border patrol did not, but actually to yes. do it in the cab, you know, in his meetings and get rid of the dead wood and get rid. And, and everybody sings from the same hymnal and it becomes a tougher place because you got to save the guy at the top. The guy at the top at least has some kind of animal cunning. And this guy does not. And I'm surprised, but, and I am surprised because I think that one of the things you could see, he might've been a buffoon in his 30 years in politics, but he, I didn't think he was an incompetent buffoon. Um, this suggests that he's out to lunch. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's not a – that apparently, I mean, he's not Woodrow Wilson. There's no Edith Wilson there uh, to take over. He's out to lunch and everybody knows it. And it's one of the reasons why you were now reading in the newspaper, you know, once, twice, three times a week, the steady drumbeat of he's out to lunch, he's one and done. Yeah, his own party's dropping those stories now. So uh, yep. <laughs> if things don't uh, go surprisingly well for them in November or or get better very quickly <laughs> after that, which is highly unlikely, unlikely. Uh, g- given their own admissions right now, there's nothing more we can do with the economy. There's no <laughs> nothing more we can do with inflation. There's nothing more we can do on this, that, and the other thing. So uh, so they basically know they're, they're in big trouble, uh, and it's, it's all their own doing with terrible policies and incompetent people that they put around themselves. So. There you go. Very exciting, optimistic assessments of everything today. Oh, no, that's so depressing. (laughs) Anyway, the good news is uh, we need to end with some uh, kind nugget is that you'll be back on Friday. So we look forward to that. Yeah. I look forward to it, too. Excellent. Rob Long is the contributing editor or a contributing editor at National Review Online. He's also the co-founder of Ricochet. He's the co-host of the Glop podcast. He's the host of the Martini Shot podcast. Uh, and he's just always great to have in for Jim on the Three Martini Lunch. So uh, uh, follow Rob on Twitter at RCBL. Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Uh, thank you also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Thanks for being with us today and join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. 
this week on the Federalist Radio Hour. And the obvious challenge to that is the media blackout. Um, you know, if, if this were in the other direction, if if the, if the if the difference here was um, you know going in the other direction, then it would be nonstop in the same way. In fact, actually, we have a pretty neat case study in this with the Russia hoax itself. It was nonstop coverage from the media that was essentially doing in journalistic gymnastics to fabricate a conspiracy theory. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.